Hello, folks. Welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. And I want to explain a little bit about the podcast before we start the show this week. This podcast is an opportunity for me to speak with some of the most interesting people I know that I can find on the internet. So either with amazing talents or achievements or just unbelievable life stories or invaluable insights into areas that they have dedicated their lives to studying. I sit down with these amazing individuals from all across the world. Really, I, I've talked to people from Slovenia to the Czech Republic to Australia to countries in Africa and South America, uh, really just all over the world. And I try to ask them the questions that will hopefully help you extract something valuable or learn something new or just get inspired by. And I do hope that you do get inspired by these talks with some sort of a call to action, maybe change something that you wanted to change for a while, or even just enjoy, you know, detaching from the world for an hour and listening to some great conversations. So whatever it is that you get from this, I do hope that you extract something from it and enjoy the conversations. All these episodes are available on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and the rest of them. You can also find the episodes on my website, which is RoyBensV.com. You can find a lot of other information about me there as well, from photos to a little bit more insights into who I am, if you're interested. And you know, you can always go to social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there. I'm pretty active on both those platforms, although the only ones I have, and um, I try to post regularly so you can stay up to date. And also be sure to, you know, put your email on the website. Uh, I shoot emails out with updates, news, any new current information that I have will be sent via those emails and social media platforms. So yeah, make sure you're in the loop. All right, guys, today on the podcast, we have Woody Gooch, who is a very sought after photographer world-renowned. He has worked with some of the biggest brands like Corona, Monster Energy, Billabong, Dior, and many others. And he was kind enough to come on the podcast and we had a we had a blast. He was a lot of fun to talk to out there in uh, Queensland, Australia. And he's also a, a surfer, so a lot of his photos are in the ocean. And they all have a very, very unique touch and feel that that almost like a fingerprint that he has where you can just look at the picture and know that it's it's his image they're all kind of dreamy a little surreal very minimalistic a lot of negative space and it just gives you a like a feeling when you see some of his images and i think that's what attracted a lot of people to him and probably a lot of brands as well he started off very young self-taught guy and yeah, like I said, it was it was a lot of fun getting to chat with him. I followed his work for a lot of years, and I'm happy that we managed to catch up and kind of dive into a lot of aspects of his work, his childhood, how he grew up, the Australian culture that he grew up in, and why he decided to go to Japan and, and work and live in Japan. Yeah, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here is this week's guest. Woody Gooch. Enjoy the episode, everyone. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. How you doing, Woody? Good, man. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, man, it's a, it's a pleasure. We overcame some technical difficulties and some internet problems and audio issues, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Let's get it going. It seems like this is the, the, the trend right now. Like it's, even when I talk to like tech guys, everyone's experiencing the same issues. Everything, everyone's having audio problems. Everyone's having internet problems. It seems like yeah. it's, it's easier, but it's harder in a way. I tell you what, I mean, at least at the moment in time, we've got a lot more time in our hands because a lot of things are getting slowed down. So we have the patience. We're getting patience back in this world. Yeah. It's it's all, it's also the only way for us to communicate, <laughs> it seems, right? Like, yeah. I mean, also, amazingly, we can still do that uh, from one side to the other in different time zones. So, yeah, without spreading any sort of virus. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, you're down under in the sunny, uh, sunny state of Australia. How is it down under in Australia as far as COVID and all the issues? I mean, it's it's good. I think it was good. It was quite interesting because I've, I've been living in Tokyo for the last five years. So, oh, wow. The start of this year, I was I was there in Japan um, until all this stuff sort of um, emerging, um, and I I thought like, okay, well, maybe I should go back to somewhere that I'm quite familiar with and and be home for a bit and let it pass. Um, but obviously, like, it just didn't pass and it kept setting in. And also we had winter here, so that obviously boosted all the uh, the cases through the roof. Um, and, yeah, we just we were pretty, pretty much landlocked like everyone else was for a while. But um, we seemed to have controlled it kind of well until, I guess, it would have been August. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily enough, um, the state that I'm living in was also pretty virus-free for a majority of the time. So it was nice to be in a you know a beautiful place at a beautiful time of the year and 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 see so much of my own country because I mean I'm always traveling and I'm always a I guess not really um, yeah exploring my own country as much as I should be. So it's given me so much time to um, really. Um, absorb the purity and beauty of um australia or especially queensland is it because uh, just that area is not populated you think yeah i mean australia itself is like not so populated if you kind of look at this australia it's just around the uh, perimeter is where i guess more civilization is and then Mm -hmm. you know the 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 majority of the actual country is pretty pretty empty and, and scarce with um settlement but um yeah, it's there's just so much space to see. There's so many things. There's so much. Hang on, sorry. There's so much diversity within this country um, that it kind of just makes me want this virus to still sort of hit me here, so I can see more of Australia. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost the size of of the U.S. Australia. It's so massive. And it's so yeah. uh, under, like you said, it's it's barely. I think, if I'm not mistaken, something like 20, 25 million people, right? It's like the exactly. state, well, state mean, of New York has more people than Australia. Well, I'm like comparing the prefecture of Tokyo. It has, I think, if not the same or a little bit more than the whole of Australia, just in the prefecture of, um, of Tokyo. So that alone says so much. Um, I also think that's also why this place is so healthy and the air is so clean because we still have, you know, we have so many trees. There's not a lot of deforestation, which, I mean, there still is a bit, but I think we're uh, pretty aware of, um, you know, the way that um, to look after this place. I think there's many ways we could do it better, but I think um, we're doing okay. 
Yeah. The British need to send some more uh, British prisoners over to populate the area. <laughs> I mean, where I think we just, yeah, need to slow down on having kids. Like, there's just so many people in the world. I mean, just. Yeah. Yeah. Too many what people. Up? I mean, Australians are generally, and I, you know, I don't like to make blanket statements, but you guys are some of the nicest, funniest, sunny disposition, always kind of like, I don't know, just easygoing. Is that just yeah. part of the culture or is just, it just so happens that those are the people that I met? I think going back to the whole idea of like everyone leaves pretty much on the beach or somewhat close. And I mm-hmm. think that lifestyle makes people so relaxed and laid back that, the personality that people sort of end up, I guess, immersing themselves in or being around all the time is very hospitable, um, pretty open-minded. Um, everyone's wanting to have a good time and share it with other people, new and old. Um, so I think, like, we, majority of, I mean, there's a lot of fucking crazy Australians. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong. Sure. I have a lot of crazy friends that I've met on my my travels through Australia and, and people that have met people and told me stories, but yeah, major, majority of, I guess, our population is pretty caring and considerate of others. And um, we seem to, yeah, want to live this really relaxed, happy, um, sun-fulfilled lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I was there but, um, uh, many, many years sorry. back. No, I was saying I was there many, many years ago and, um, you know, I, I kind of fell in love with it just the 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 it was like half speed than anywhere else I've been. It's just everything was just very relaxed, yeah. very easygoing. Night, you know, you finish work at like three p.m. and you go to the pub. I just, I was like, this is this is lovely. I love it. Yeah, I mean, the pub lifestyle is pretty big here. It's also, I mean, the outdoor lifestyle. There's a lot of camping. There's a lot of you know fishing and surfing, and um. Yeah, most of our women like love getting dirty and go camping too. So it's, hard, it's nice, you know, it's fun. having a woman that can do that too is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll skip we'll skip through that. Um, yeah. So maybe give us a little bit of background. You know how um, you're obviously a photographer, a very well known photographer, but you know maybe a little bit of background, childhood, uh, where you grew yeah, yeah, up, sure. how you how you got into photography. Yeah, so I grew up with my family in Melbourne. I was born and raised there until I was about two. And my parents started finding out that there was a bit of a nicer place to escape to than the city. So it was a place called Noosa, which is about a three, four-hour flight north of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they came up here and had my brother up here, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. I should know. Um and, yeah, we just grew up here. We went to a school here. Obviously, I started surfing and being, um, you know, I guess involved in all the, I guess, the, the sports that Australia, you know, have. You know, a lot of good skate parks. It's really good surf. We have snow down, you know, down the next state. So it's kind of like a little California but also quite a bit different. Um, so, you know, I started surfing at a young age, um, me and my brother, and then obviously it came along where I, I started skating a lot um, and then I guess photography came along where we all, you know, would go down to the skate park and there'd be one camera and we'd be sharing the camera to take new MySpace display pictures or something. <laughs> and I just kept, I kept, I kept putting my hand up to shoot photos and, um, and it just grew on me without knowing obviously where I am now, you know, I still am just like, wow, it's, 
it's always still a journey till this day. You never know what's around the corner, but it just evolved um, so quickly. Um, yeah, and it's just been incredible. I, I started homeschooling, I think, when I was um, 14 or so. My mum was like a, a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she took my brother and myself on and um, we went over to New Zealand and lived there for a while um, and, and, and sort of school did school from home and then I was sort of out on the on the snow fields in the mountains shooting professional skiers it was kind of like a, a thing that just came up when I started sort of I jumped on it um then I came back and started shooting surfing and then I one of my closest friends that I still work to um this day with a lot is um he used to be he still is but he uh a very known surfer. He grew up in Noosa and he sort of towed me into a lot of work that he'd been um, sort of doing and also the sponsorships that he was involved in at a young age. Mm-hmm. So he sort of took me under his wing when I was about 15 and I and it pretty much just elevated um, what I was doing um, without, you know, trying to grind a lot to get to that point. He just sort of saw, saw that I was in, really enthusiastic and had, a, I guess, talent. Um, at a young age, so we started working together a lot. Um, he's he's also um, he was a surfer for Deus, which is a pretty big, I guess, well-known sort of micro, uh, motorcycle lifestyle surf brand um, that uh, that started up. Oh, I don't know, probably ten plus years ago. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I mean, all the travel started from there with Harrison. Um, and yeah, just it didn't stop. I mean, that was the first internship I, I more so had that really challenged me in um, working with a, a group of people, um, having a lot of pressure, um, you know, dealing with a lot of different types of people that were uh, quite opinionated. <laughs> um, and also, that sort of like, you know, my boss at the time, Dustin Humphreys, really um, pushed my limits to a point where, um, you know, I could. I could see all the all the good and bad in photography, and and um, I mean not bad, but also the challenging aspects of being a creative. You know, there's so many people that can sort of um, corner you, and you know, and, and being a very individual um, creative. So I think having all those challenges and all those great times really, I guess, pushed me in a way that um, I think I'm lucky to be where I am now, and and still, you know, being able to be uh be widely wanted by companies and people um because there's just so much competition now yeah social media and and many of many platforms but i'm also so grateful too that i got into photography at the time that editorial was quite strong and still kind of um highly appreciated which it still is but i'd be you know you'd, you'd go anywhere and there'd be in the magazines on people's desks or you know a cafe or restaurant so I think I was really um, appreciative that I did get to experience, I guess, a wholesome way of um, exposing your work and wondering if people were looking at work and reading that little fine font in the right-hand corner of whoever's credited um, by by the magazine. So, yeah, it's been been a really nice journey and it's, it's, you know, it's forever changing. So you're self-taught, right, in the sense that you didn't go to to school to, to study this? Yeah, I mean, I didn't study. My mum and dad, like I was saying, they they homeschooled us. So they said, like, look, look, everything around you and all the people and all the places, that's your curriculum. If you want to do this, like, just take it on. We'll support you. Um, 
and I just absorbed everything that I, I learned from, you know, old to young people, places new and old as well. Um, and I think I was just very curious, you know, like I watch and learn instead of ask and learn. Um, and I, I, I reached out to a lot of photographers when I was younger. And at that time, you know, like I think Instagram and things like that were quite new. So when people would be, uh, I guess, approached by people like me at a younger age, um, querying or, you know, um, asking sort of particular questions, they were, they were fine about it, but I feel like it's a little different now. Yeah. But um, so, like, yeah, I, I definitely um, – I definitely made a lot of mistakes because I was self-taught, but also that's why I learned a lot faster than I feel like someone trying to teach me and critique how I should be or how I should see um, an image. Or, yeah. But, I mean, that's also a personal preference, you know. I think, like, going to school and having someone teach you something is also great. But for me, I think I, I prefer to to watch and learn and, and maybe make more mistakes and kind of be forced to do something a certain way. Yeah. Some people, you know, everyone's different. Some people yeah. like the color uh, outside outside uh, the lines and they learn in a certain way. And some people have to be very structured and they like to get oh. homework and do A, B, C, D. And that's the best way for them to learn. Some people are more yeah. creative, some are less. So, But you have a very specific look to your image, you know, almost a, a dreamy kind of surreal feel to them, very distinct. And, and you know, when I see your images... I can tell that you shot it. Like, I don't have to look at the name. Like, when I scroll up, I'll see an image, and before my eyes make contact with the name, I can already subconsciously or consciously know that you shot that image. No, that's, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it's funny. I have, like, quite a lot of people say that, but I think that the stuff that is seen, I guess, it, I mean, surfing also in the ocean sort of, I guess niche um, genre of photography is it's you can the yeah I think there's so many aspects of it but also I think my work is quite minimalistic so I think a lot of people can straight away just notice that um, maybe it's some work of mine but also funny saying that like I've I've just been working on some big projects and non-surf related or ocean related um, some big documentaries and I've been I guess shooting photos alongside that and it's 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 very different it'd be interesting to give you a pdf of photos and see which ones are mine and which aren't to, oh, i love uh, that your eye. i love that yeah i mean how long does it take to kind of develop that that kind of look or or an eye for that for the type of feel that an approach that you're trying to take i don't know i mean it was just something that i thought looked good and what I liked, I mean, I'm very minimal myself. Like I like minimal, like, you know, if I, if I'm going to dress myself, it's, you know, there's no big logos. It's not bright colors. Like yeah, it's quite neutral and tonal and, and pretty minimalistic. So I think my lifestyle before even being a photographer was, I guess, pretty um, simple. Um, and I think like, you know, I feel like less is always more with whatever you do. So I think like without knowing and without realizing that my work just sort of generated to create itself in a particular way that was like complex but pretty simple. Um, and, yeah, I think like to this point I think I like giving people a lot of time to like observe, I guess, a, a moment or a, a composition that is not overwhelming and not stressful but it also gives someone, you know, quite a very obvious point, but a lot of time to sort of imagine what else could have happened like five seconds after or 10 minutes after. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So it's just something that I just realized that I didn't do until people started really telling me that's how your photos look. <laughs> do you, I mean, how hard is it shooting in the water? Cause you shoot most of the, most of the images are in the water or around the water. Yeah. That, that, so that, I, there's I, a, I, there's an like extra layer of difficulty that it seems like already getting a, a good shot is not easy, but this yeah. just seems like an added layer. Well, yeah, being fit is also, you know, a big part of it. Um, but also, like, being completely um, open to letting the ocean take you wherever it wants because it has a mind of its own, you know. You yeah. can't sort of fight against, like, currents and waves. Or you can, but sometimes you just won't get anywhere and you just got to kind of give up and and do what the ocean is doing. But also having that awareness of the ocean and how it works is, is, is as important as, I guess, documenting the image, you know. Because you got to get close, you got to get far away. Like whatever you're trying to, um, I guess, evoke is, um, you know, in the way that you move around the water. But um, yeah, I think like spending so much time in the water surfing um, has really created that um, the, uh, I guess, the awareness and the uh, appreciation of how the ocean works. You know, because it's so different when you're on something that's floating than. Yeah. having someone just kind of sinks and you've got flippers and you look like a seal. Because then, <laughs> I mean, you're also, like, prone to having, you know, other creatures sort of investigate who you are. Oh, 100%. So, luckily, I haven't had any really um, close calls with any animals in the water. But, um, yeah, I think that's sort of, like, a key to also, you know, obviously creating imagery in the water is being quite um, connected to how it really worked. Yeah, because Australian waters are are uh, notorious for their uh, <laughs> you know shark infested waters. I think yeah. like a good majority of of shark attacks happen in in Aust- I think like Australia and South Africa are two of the biggest. I mean, Australia's there. gotten pretty. Australia's gotten pretty bad. I mean, I think it's also just based on commercial fishing because you know if we were living in in Brooklyn and they started taking away all the supermarkets and there was one at Green Point or somewhere, we'd all go there, right? Because that's yeah. the only place to source food. So I think like we're heavily involved in commercial fishing in Australia. So I think also that's one large point. And I think there's a lot of underlying things also other than fishing that is why they're coming in so close. And so I guess um, being curious of, of what all these other people or whatever these things are floating on the water um so yeah it's 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 something that i mean we can't be frustrated that they're doing this to us it's no you know like imagine if it was the vice versa and we were sort of fighting against you know i guess an understanding on land but also there are so many sharks now like because there's no really i mean there's apex predators which are sharks themselves against each other but there are just so many like and also not many fish so they're they're just populating so much Wow. Also, just like us, like humankind. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a thing, but also it's a thing that you kind of respect and you like, you know, when, when you get a feeling in the water, it's like I had a really good conversation with a friend of mine who's a professional surfer the other, other week. He's been travelling around Australia with his girlfriend in a car and also the further south you go, I guess, like the, the colder the water gets. So I guess... It's also known as like more sharks, like colder water and bigger sharks. Um, so he's he's also I had a conversation with him about him being in the water down there because a lot of the time you're in the middle of nowhere. There's a desert. There's no petrol stations. There's no one around to go surfing yeah. with. The waves are always great. 
and he was out there by himself surfing huge, like massive stuff. Um, and he'd, he'd paddle out through a really big gutter and, and, and he'd get a feeling. And if you got a feeling of, you know, it's, it's all about being pretty intuitive. So if you get, you pick up on something like a vibe in the water, you just, you go in, you know, you don't be greedy. You don't surf too much. You don't, you know, when you feel like you're ready to go in, you just, you don't fight against it. And yeah. I feel like that's a lot of the time where things can go wrong. Also spontaneity of people getting attacked, it can happen, but I think, yeah, when people really just, no, it's, yeah, just I guess ignore that sort of intuition of, I guess, energy or vibes in the water. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in their home, right? The, the shark's home and uh, the way they don't have hands. So the way they kind of test what's in front of them is yeah. their snout. And their snout just happens to be next to these really sharp teeth. <laughs> and yeah. they just have, you know, I had a friend, he went on, um, I think it was a scuba diving course in, this was a long time ago, but I think it was Hawaii and a shark, a small shark. It wasn't a massive shark. A small shark literally just passed by his hand. It didn't even like bite. It just passed and it took his finger off, like right off. So, I mean, yeah, they can just inhale and your whole hand's gone. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think it's, that's the thing. It's like, they're so curious. They, they once have bitten you, wherever it is, like the damage is done. Like my friend, um, a month or so ago, I was in the water. He was surfing um, a place called Snapper Rocks on the Gold Coast, which is like the most iconic wave in the world. Like one one of the most populated waves, like one of the closest waves to a main highway. Really? And there's usually like if there's swell, there's hundreds and hundreds of people, and it's like you know, way, like shoulder, you know, in depth. So it's very, very, you feel very safe. You don't feel vulnerable at all. But anyway, like he went out for this surf this afternoon and. Um, he, uh, he was right beside this guy that just got pretty much bitten in half. Like in the most, it hadn't happened for like 80 years or, or even an oh. attack. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people surfing. So, I mean, it's it's like you just, you could be anywhere and it can happen, but also it's just like you can't really think about it too much before you go. Yeah. It's like here, you know, we um, in our, in my area, there's a lot of uh, black bears and, and black bears are pretty, I mean, they're not, they're not aggressive, like a, like a grizzly or a brown bear. And um but that's not going to stop me from going hiking. That's not going to stop me yeah, from yeah. enjoying the outdoors just because, and I have seen a few bears, but you just kind of, you know, you just make your way around them and they don't really bother you for the most part. Well, that's the thing with bears. Though. I mean, like you're on land, which is where you're familiar with. That's where they are. It's like yeah. with a shark, you're in the water. Like you can get out and you're like, you know, if you get out on the beach, I'm, I'm safe. They're not going to come sprinting out of the water and chase yeah. me to my car. <laughs> but I mean, a, a bear, you can hop in a creek too, and that thing will keep following you, you know? Dude, bears are, are bad. I think people don't understand. Bears are better than us everywhere. Yeah. Running, swimming, climbing. Yeah. They can open doors. Like wherever yeah. you think you have an advantage, you don't. <laughs> you just. Yeah, don't. that's. Um, I mean, as much as Australia has so many crazy animals, I'm so glad we don't have bears with everything else we have. <laughs> I'd probably be pretty fat and white, and I probably wouldn't leave the house. <laughs> yeah, you guys, if you guys would have bear, you got you guys would probably have the craziest bears because you just always have like the most like whenever there's like on the internet, I'll see like some insane animal. I'm like, that's, yeah. it's, it's probably Australia. It's, it's probably yeah, Australia. yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like because we have such a crazy variety of deadly animals, like. My the some of the stuff my friends do. I mean, I'm not one of them, but like, 
They are insane. Like there's so many mini Steve Irwins here. It's incredible. <laughs> and also it's so good because if you have a house, you know, if your house is open, you've got a snake, you, you've got like 10 friends you can call that are around the corner that would be happily to chase this like highly venomous snake around the house. Oh, no, no. And, and, and take it away for you. So. Oh, dude, yeah. that's. No, I'd, I'd rather have a beer <laughs> than a venomous yeah, snake. I, I think I actually would too. I, I can't. I, I, I really have a phobia of snakes. Do you guys still have a massive um, toad problem? Because I remember I saw a yeah, documentary um, about it. Yeah, it's actually funny. Like that's pretty much every sort of thing I try to run over on the road. <laughs> and like, usually hit with golf clubs. I mean, hopefully there's no um toad lovers that are going to be listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But um, you're gonna you're gonna get it. You're gonna get a letter from uh, Peter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm ready to. Yeah, I got some escape plans if anyone comes chasing. <laughs> I mean, they're invasive species. They they were brought there because they thought they would. I think they're like they they. Yeah, um, it was sugarcane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a sugarcane thing where the we also like. We, I guess we produce a lot of sugarcane here in Australia and there was a, I actually took, was told this the other day, but um, the fact of why can't cane toads spread so fastly was there was like a little insect within the cane that destroyed the cane and they tried to, I guess, introduce the cane toad to wipe out all these sort of um, insects yeah. um, that were destroying the cane and it obviously just it spread. And, I mean... They're the most ugly things I think we have <laughs> in in, um, in this country. But, yeah, they're, it's funny. I don't think they've actually gotten too far south yet. I think it was quite like a northern Australian thing, and I think it still is, but they're slowly making their way down. But, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 not, they're not nice. No, no. They, um, <laughs> yeah, Australia's a funny country. We, we always have this – humans always try to play God. We, we'll always try to, like, bring – other species or, or think we can screw with the ecosystem and nine times out of 10, it backfires on us. Yeah, I know. I mean, we always think we're doing something right, but the majority of the time we're doing something pretty wrong, <laughs> morally incorrect. Um, so why, uh, why Japan? You said you were there for five years. You know, I, I, yeah, was, there, so I was there early this year for the first time. I, I loved it, but um, yeah, yeah we're in Japan. Um, I was living in like pretty much Shibuya, which is like the heart of Tokyo, yeah. um, like a little little sh- uh, little sorry, a little suburb just out of Shibuya. Kind of still Shibuya, but um, it's a little bit more sort of um, secluded from all the noise and the flashing lights. But also, it's so hard to get away from that because it just echoes through like the, I guess the avenues of concrete. But yeah, I sort of I just went over. I mean. My my family is pretty um, involved in I guess the, the skiing lifestyle. So after we went to New Zealand quite a lot, um, it started getting pretty populated with Australians. So we're like, all right, let's eject and find somewhere, somewhere that isn't so heavily, um, I guess, noticed yeah. um, for for skiing. So we started going to Japan about I think ten years ago, just before it was kind of getting a little traction um, within the Australian culture. And then, um, yeah, I guess when I was when I was working for Deus on this um, internship, we went over there for work. I had my first solo exhibition um, and then it just grew. I met some really good friends and I, I went year after year and I think one year I went eight times in a year and I was like, well, I've paid for 
what I would for, you know, a place to rent. So it gave me an obvious direction to to move there. And also coming from like one of the smallest populated towns in Australia to like one of the most biggest metropolitan cities in the world was a pretty overwhelming experience. But also I kind of really enjoyed being in somewhere like extremely foreign. And even to this day, like I can speak a bit of Japanese and, you know, a lot of my friends are bilingual. So, you know, there's a lot of English still, but also being on a train and like not knowing what a whole group of people are talking about in the carriage is pretty bizarre yeah. a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, it was it was a really good challenge. It's, it's also like still home. My parents have a – they just got a house there not too long ago, so I'm there a lot. You know, it's, it, it'll be home forever. So I'm, um, I'm kind of traversing from Australia and there a lot of the time, which is, you know, quite nice because we have opposite seasons. So I kind yeah. of – not too much of a fan of the heat, so I, I try and – being Japan as much as I can, and be in the mountains and be around the snow. Is, uh, is do you guys go to Naseko or Hakuba? Yeah, we're in Hakuba, which is like also um, this. It's so beautiful, but also now it's quite it's quite well known, um, which is inevitable. Like it was going to happen, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's great. I mean, it's so nice. Even in the summertime, there it's so special because of the mountains. Obviously, um, everything melts. So then all the hiking, or where you usually ski, but turn, uh, I guess turns into a big hiking sort of terrain. Yeah. Uh, you can go all these beautiful natural onsens, like these hot hot bathing spots um, that are elevated so high and very sophisticatedly on the mountains. So um, there's a lot of, lot of great places out there that are quite stimulating um, yeah. in the summertime. There's... Um... It's funny. There's a, a bunch of places I, I've been, uh, like snowboarding, Naseko being one of them, Whistler being another. Uh, probably there's one or two if I if I if I if I think about it. But it's just overwhelmingly Australian. <laughs> like the, yeah, I, I know. the ski instructors, almost everyone's yeah. Australian. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Hey, and also like it. I guess being from a, a kind of like Australians it can be quite rowdy. Um, <laughs> so then it, it, it sets an example or an expectation that all Australians are like that. Yeah. Um, also, which is what's sadly happening, you know, um, in many parts of the world, but also um, Huckabo especially. So, and also New York, as you know, there's, there's more Australians there than any so probably many. other. So um, many. But they're amazing. Like they open the, the, a lot of great coffee shops, a lot of restaurants, yeah, yeah. like really creative stuff. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. Like the Australians are very, really particular about coffee. It's co- it's coffee snobs, but also yeah. the uh, the cafe culture is really good. So I think like I guess us, I mean, I guess true. I guess passing on, I guess our experience with a cafe culture there is is also been nice to see, but. Yeah, it's 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 not nice going to a place and like oh Australians like oh you guys are fucked up like sorry, <laughs> no, yeah. you can curse don't worry um and uh, yeah I mean there's so many places that have you know we've got like this hit markers on us for going to now like I mean <laughs> Bali is another place where it's like you know another place where they don't feel, Australians feel like there's rules so you know they go really sort of overstep 
I guess the the culture over there. Also, what that was like when I was living there in, in Indonesia working for Dave's. Like I just saw it tumble and tumble in sort of a in a more um, yeah inconsiderate way with uh, Australians moving in there and exploring that place. But anyway, I mean the world. It's it's you can't tell people where to go and not to go. Yeah. Um, I just try and completely avoid where that sort of is. Uh, is going to be for those types of people. Yeah. Thailand is another spot, but I, I actually think it's, it's great, man. I think it's, um, you know, I don't think places should be insular and, and kind of secluded. I think the more that people bring their influence into other countries and you can kind of experience a little bit of everything. And, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, Asian culture, uh, or, I don't know, Indian culture or whatever other cultures that came to New York, that's what New- makes New York so great, right? Because you have yeah, I mean, all these different happen. cultures and all this different yeah. food and people and languages and it yeah, makes it, I mean, it, makes it, it interesting. Makes, yeah, I mean, the, the complexity just is even more diverse, you know, which is so nice. Um, but that's what's so funny about being where I am. It's like so opposite. It's so, so boxed in and yeah. like there's, you know, like there's not, I feel like Australia doesn't have a whole lot of culture, you know, like we really did just trample on it, which is such a shame. But, yeah, that's why also I think why I was so intrigued to live somewhere quite difficult and foreign is to experience, you know, heavy culture like yeah. Japan um, and see it work the way it does. It's uh, it's it's to, to your point that you made earlier, when I was there for the first time, and you know, I've I've been to, to I've been to a good amount of countries, and and um, but it's definitely um, and it was super modern and beautiful, and people are nice. But just getting around wasn't easy. Like everything's in Japanese. People don't know yeah. English as much as I thought they would. And on top of that, yeah. and I don't know if this was because maybe I don't know if this is just no, the norm. You you could you know because you've been there much longer, or because maybe this was pre-COVID. But everyone had masks, so I couldn't even you know th- there was no facial. Uh, yeah, expression expressions yeah. nothing that i could pick up on so yeah. it made it made communication extremely difficult at times yeah i think like japan is also like they're like they're so they love the western society but like also like i mean as you, you probably like um acknowledged when you're there that like a lot of the vintage stores are named after american places and like they're just obsessed with american people i also a lot of Western sort of culture, but a lot of American culture is is highly appreciated there. And I think it's kind of, it is, like I, I understand too, like being in a foreign country, it's very respectful to speak, you know, a, enough language to get by if you're, if you're there. But it's so funny that there isn't as much English as like, it, it's pretty futuristic, but it's also very old school too, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so like, yeah, getting around isn't easy, but I think like the the, uh, the whole fact of Japan having the Olympics is also another push of people trying to learn to speak English and things being a lot more suitable for foreigners to be comfortable in a place that seems quite difficult. So I think in time it will change for sure, but it's slowly it's it's quite slow with I guess having the um, the traction of I guess. English, I guess, culture being quite, involved, speaking more so, being involved in the um, the social life there. Yeah. They got unlucky with the Olympics, man. <laughs> it's just so I know, like, <laughs> I, I, I really don't, I don't really, um, 
back the Olympics that much. Like I like it, but it's just like it's such a strange bubble. I mean, I have friends that are competing in like the surfing and skating and it's like I'd love to support them, but I find that that can, that whole thing is, I don't know, it's it's quite bizarre. I won't probably get too political on it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've just seen the destruction it has done to some countries, you know, in third world countries, especially like Brazil and places like that. So I was like, I don't know, like Japanese people were, I think, so excited to have it, obviously, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's also like you should see the city like, when I when I got there years and years ago, it was it was highly like dense with uh, concrete buildings. But now even more so, like buildings are going up in six months that were like eighty stories high just to accommodate people for the Olympics. It's like wow, all this space is not going to be really used after that. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, that's that's what and happens. All this remaining rubble, like that, is just like Tokyo is so big. Like also, there are a lot of people living there, but I think like it's just. Yeah, I think also they're probably quite assuming that Tokyo is just going to get more busy and busy with tourism also, hence yeah. building for the Olympics, which will maybe be practical, but it's so crazy how how highly developed it has gotten since, I guess, the Olympics was, um, I guess, just around the corner for them to, to have. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm so ready for this COVID thing to, because it was crazy. I when Earlier this year, I was in Japan, and then when I left Japan, it just kind of hit the fan there. And then I went to Italy. And as soon as I went, left Italy, it hit the fan in Italy. And then I got to New York and then it hit the okay. fan in New York. And I was like, dude, <laughs> leave me. It was literally like after me. And then eventually I got it, which, which kind of like, like you, you spread it around the country a bit, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been just, I was a super spreader. I've just been going around the world, spreading it everywhere. But I, uh, I would love to go back there. I, 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 I you know, it was, it sucks when you go to, to a place for the first time. I feel like for the, the first few days, I was almost in a daze. I was like trying to just get my, 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 you know, my bearing about me. And, and I was just, I didn't fully experience it. And I, I would love to go back to, to, to do it again. Yeah. I mean, when you're there next, I'd be like, I'd like to show you around and see how, uh, how unusual my lifestyle is. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. So, I mean, is that one of the big perks, do you think? Obviously, the whole creative aspect, but being able to travel, to meet people, you know, yeah, what are some, I, what, are the, what are some like more memorable places that you've been to? Oh, other than Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also I've been freelance for so long and then I was represented by an agency and then I, I've gone freelance again. I think working by yourself, and also having the ability to be very open to working with everyone and anyone has also connected me so well. And also starting going back to Japan, like that's why I also wanted to be based there because there's so much happening. Yeah. It's quite central than Australia to fly because, I mean, 85% of the year I'm on a plane. So I literally was like, okay, if I'm here, and I have such a good friend group and everyone, all my friends are well connected with all these people and there's parties and launch parties and all these things happening. You're going to meet, you, you do, you meet so many unusual people. And I guess from there I could be like, oh, you know, I'm here and I met these people in Japan and they're living in, you know, Amsterdam now and now I'm a part, I can do this big commercial with them, but, you know, and it just bleeds from there. And I guess that's the way that I guess um, having like a, 
a very spontaneous um, and an enthusiastic personality is uh, <laughs> of my own. Like you know, sort of creates like the I guess the the friction and the the rhythm of like how I work and how I live. So I think like yeah, constantly being on the go um, and working with new people all the time is is something that's inevitably going to create that that experience for you. Yeah. Are there places that you haven't been to yet and you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I there's so many there's so many places that I have been to. Like, I just did a big project with a good friend of mine. I'm um, in Haiti on Black Magic, oh. and that was like that was a place that we've been to three times, but it's still so so interesting and so like vast. With like, I'm so curious to go back and and be around the people that I had been around with for the last three times over the last three years. But also there are so many places that I do want to go to and, and see. I mean, there's so many things that people aren't really, haven't really caught on to yet, I guess, creatively. Yeah. Um, but Kazakhstan is another place that I'm sort of planning a project on um, and sort of, yeah, just more so not flooding my my brain with too many places and focusing one at a time and trying to pick something pretty um, obscure. Yeah. Um, but there is, yeah, I mean, that also, also now being landlocked, like it is, I, I'm just like, wow, I, I don't know where and how much I am going to travel when I can, but I'm I'm waiting and I feel like I'm not going to be home for so long when I can. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's going to be with a lot of people too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Kazakhstan is kind of like maybe one of the next places I'm going to go and figure out to, I guess, start this project there. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be beautiful. The, the, the frustrating thing for me, because I'm, I'm also, I'm someone that I kind of, I want to swallow the world. Like I want to see everything, right? And uh, and it's impossible. Like I could literally travel the whole of the US my whole life and, I, and I'm not going to be able to see the whole of the US, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm just not going to be able to, to see the whole world and you have to make concessions and you have to kind of prioritize and with also, you know, if, if your job doesn't include traveling, you kind of have to say, all right, if I have X amount of time per year, I have to figure out exactly what are yeah. the top places I want to see. And there's just so many. It's endless. Yeah. I mean, there there is so much. And everything, like, places that I did want to go have changed before I've even gone there, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't really go there as much. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, I think that's what I also like about my travel. It's so spontaneous. There's not too much planning unless it's a big project, you know. And a lot of the time I'm I'm in places that I never thought I would have gone to this year or, or anytime soon. So it's kind of nice living in that sort of unknown, I guess, schedule. All right. Quick word from our sponsors. Guys, do you like drinking coffee as much as I do? I hope you do. But do you also like helping people in need? I'm assuming you do because my listeners are good, good people. And Free Lunch Coffee, the company I teamed up with, just simplified that whole process for you. It's a really an amazing brand with an amazing message. And what they do is when you buy one bag of coffee, they provide 10 meals to children in the schools of South Africa. They give away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. And their coffee is just first class, organically grown, fair trade, premium grade coffee beans. So you're guaranteed deliciousness with every sip. Really, it's an amazing, amazing brand and you should get behind them. 
just as I have. And it's super easy. You just go online. And if you don't like it, which I don't see why you wouldn't, but if you don't for some reason, 100% money back guaranteed within 30 days. So it's a win-win-win. It's a win for everyone. So just go to the website, punch in genuinely, and you will get a 10% discount at freelunchcoffee.com. Again, freelunchcoffee.com. Guys, it is a season of giving. So like I said, win-win. You get coffee, children in need get food, and the company can continue to do this and help people around the world. So freelunchcoffee.com, back to the show. You think um, Instagram is the best thing that's happened to photographers or the worst thing that's happened to, to photographers? Um, to professional photographers, that, sorry. I think there's so many aspects of it like that are great and not so great. I mean, socially, I think it like it really has... Um, diluted people's perceptions and personalities and um, involvement with doing things more so with their brain in their hands and I guess comparing and having a lot of competition now but I think so like I mean I can't say that it's a bad thing but I can't say that I mean it's great if you want to sort of you can literally just message someone and if they do get back to you you can you can be doing a project with someone or collaborating in, in some yeah. sort of way with someone or um, getting advice, which is incredible. Um, but also so many people though now, like a lot, I get a lot of this um, from, I guess, fan bases. People message me at a young age too and saying like, oh, is there any tips of um, any tips that I can sort of gather that um, – can point me in a direction of success. And I'm like, well, if you want to be successful, don't be a photographer because that's not like, that's not the point of yeah. being creative and being and creating an individual perspective on things. That's how I feel. I think it just comes with something that you're good at and, and that you actually really thoroughly enjoy and want to, you know, I guess challenge yourself. Um, but someone that just generally wants to make money and have, I guess, like a... Um, a, st a stable sort of headspace or create an ego like it's it's like a it's a very strange aspect on you know because creating imagery is you know like a pretty important thing the way that the generation looks at it and perceives it now you know mm -hmm. but um yeah I mean like I said that it's also so great to be able to you know you can you if you are wanting to just be generally curious and taking and taking photos and experimenting. You can do that, and you can blow up. People just blow up over week, overnight. Sometimes, you know. So, it's given people a different platform to really showcase their work in a way that can be very, I guess, fast paced. But yeah. then, um, I haven't, I haven't figured out within myself if I think it's it's net positive yet, because there are a lot of, like you said, a lot of really positive things that you can't connect with people and you can't showcase your abilities. Yeah. But, on, but then sometimes I feel like it's because there's so much content, it, it, it like it yeah. water, it waters it down a little bit. Yeah, it's diluted so many things, you know, within the human sort of functional yeah. sort of um, perspective on, on so many things that are important to us, you know, like patience now, people have no patience. Like people don't, don't have a lot of, um, curiosity like because there's so much of, of everything like um and I think it's quite degrading in some sense but you know it's like 
that, I think that's another thing. Like I've been trying to really cut back for myself because you, as we all, well, as we all can say, like we can all definitely overindulge on technology and be on it all the time. Like that's how you, you network with people and, and keep in touch with people and make things happen. But there's, I've, I, there's still some of my friends that live where I grew up that have Nokia's that don't have <laughs> that don't have Facebook and Instagram and they're still so they're still so in their particular ways, which is such a um, a juxtaposition for me because I'm like, oh my god, like yeah, and then I'll, I'll put my phone away for like a couple of days or, or try not going as much. Should I say still have to be on it a bit, but um, and it's so wholesome, you know, and also like. There's so many things since I've been locked in Australia that I've never done, like hobby-wise, um, that I've picked up. And also that's sort of just so stimulating for your head. Um, and then I've, I've also been, that's another reason why I've been completely not on, as tech, not on technology as much as I usually am. So it's something that you can be so um, naive also that you're using it as much as you really are. Yeah. I mean, I am too. I'm like, oh my god, I, you know. But when you are flying and you're working, and that's the nature of that lifestyle, you know. Like, you've got to be constantly back and forth with people. So, I think having the actual, the general time and creating patience again, and and observing how um, these things can be so toxic for you. I think moderation is just key, you know. Yeah. And the more you have it, I mean, sorry, sorry. The less you have it, I guess, the more. Um, the good it will do for you, but in both ways. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. I I think, I don't think there's anyone alive that is consuming it at, at, you know, large quantities and is saying, yeah, this, you know, I really feel good. I'm yeah, really I feel happy. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I am so happy that I'm consuming 18 yeah. hours a day of Instagram and Twitter. Like it doesn't exist. Right. But we know that we have to use it for whatever reasons we have to use a phone, right? If it's for promotional purposes, if it's for connections, if it's for whatever it is, but we also know that we, it's not good for us. And I don't think anybody has, has kind of figured out exactly what to do. We're all stuck in this weird limbo right now. Mm. Yeah. I I don't know. It's funny. Hey, like it's so weird to see that, like, I mean, you know, like, Kids at a young age, like that's the way of control, like parents controlling kids now with technology. Yeah, it's like, I'll take your phone. You won't, yeah. you won't be able to use your iPad in bed if you don't eat your broccoli. It's like, you know, like, <laughs> like what sort of sort of um, controlling aspect of you know, growing a, a, a child up into a full grown person is? Like, it's just so bizarre. So, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a conversation that it's just it'll. I mean, everyone's pretty aware of it, but they still aren't doing anything about it. That's exactly the thing. It's like Kevin Hart has this funny joke where he says, like, he takes his kid's phone away and the kid starts acting like a crack addict. Like, he just, like, spazzes out. Like, he doesn't know what to do. And it's 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 true, man. It's We know it's bad. It's almost like, like any other addiction. We, you know it's bad for you, but you still mm. you still do it. This one obviously isn't as obvious. It's not like cigarettes or the other ones where you're like, okay, I can physically see the change or I can, you know, my lungs, my teeth, etc. This is a little bit more subtle. I think because also a lot of stuff is free. Like, you know, yeah. if everything was expensive, people wouldn't be using it as much. I think that's a thing, you know, with addiction also, like 
But then also that's what happens. People start breaking the houses and cars because they have an addiction for drugs. <laughs> Instagram's got a fee of like, you know, 150 bucks a month. Like it might even just turn the world into some aggressive place. And I'm just, well, I don't know. Don't give them any ideas, right? What do you, don't give them ideas. Maybe, I mean, maybe this is a movie I can start working on. But. Yeah, man. You never know. Some sci-fi. The year is 2035. Instagram costs $150 a month. People are just, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I know. That's funny. So have you, um, have you seen the movie? Because I, I saw this recently. I actually saw the movie a long, long time ago, but I, I kind of saw a little bit of it recently. And um, the documentary, The Salt of the Earth, the documentary about Sebastião Salgado. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's exactly what I'm talking about. He's also like, so set in his ways. Also, he's quite he's he's, he's like a, a subtle version of David Attenborough, yeah. without um, without that very um, overwhelming voice to listen to. Also, very I mean, easily, but also just it's, you don't know what to do when he's talking. But um, I haven't watched it. I've 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 read. I've looked at all of his books. Um, I've tried to download it, but I still haven't managed to. But I know. I mean, he's one of the most respected photographers and and just i guess people that have lived are living on this earth um to this day um um, him and his wife have done some really amazing stuff yeah he's amazing and now david attenborough is uh is a national treasure and i hope you can keep him alive forever somehow but um salgado he's you know he's why i meant i mentioned him because it's similar to you in a way i mean he's an similar but opposite opposite in the sense that he's not a minimalist, like his images are very intense, yeah. like powerful yeah. images. There's a lot happening in the image, but it's almost like the lines, everything seems to work perfectly. But you can, when I look at an image by him, I know it's his. Yeah, I mean, sure. There's there's a presence in his work that is very, it's very easy to recognize that it, it is one of his own, I mean, pieces of work. But also he's done something so, I mean, he's, he's, he's seen the world so differently to the way that people see the world now that even tried and maybe like, you know, people that are inspired by what he does, like there's no way, there's no way you could do what he's done. And no. that's great. That's how it should be, you know, like that's why he is so special and appreciated. Um, but, yeah, there's this, this I mean, he, he'd be a guy that would just be, so intellectually developed and also so connected to everything that's happening and also got his own thing going on that maybe none of this really worries him what we're all talking about and going through. You know? <laughs> it would be it would be amazing to try to get him on the podcast. That'll, that'll be impossible, but maybe one day, who knows? Maybe his, uh, maybe his children or something will probably be able to. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if he has children, but... um. Yeah, the, I'm sure there's so many people out there doing similar stuff to him. Maybe even just the lifestyle he lives instead of, I guess, the way he documents stuff. Like, yeah, how he created that complete plantation of all these trees and built this Crazy. whole countryside. And I mean, there's there's people that are doing really cool things like that. It's also it's you know there's um, a correlation I think between. People like seeing something that's different when you have a market that's saturated with something that looks alike or something that tastes alike or whatever it is. And all of a sudden there's something different. And like for you, there's, 
a lot of negative space that you use in your photos, which, you know, I love and kind of my eye always gravitates towards that and use some like double exposures and grainy photos where now with the technology that we have with, you know, with, with the lenses and then the cameras that we have, every photo is like super sharp. And yeah. it's so refreshing to see something different, you know, that's, so, yeah. I really like that. It's crazy now you can even do all this stuff in your iPhone. Like what, you know, what we had been doing for so long, like you can cameras on phones. I mean, that's also why there are so many people on social media taking photos because phones these days are so accessible and, and like the, the quality of, of phone now is pretty wild. And also it's kind of nice. Like that's one thing, like, when I did start taking photos, like I wasn't like that person that pushed myself to have a camera on me all the time in case I missed something. But now that I have a phone, like you, you see so much stuff. I mean, I, I take so many things on my phone um, now because, you know, it's with me and the, the quality is insane. So, yeah, the, yeah it's, I think it's, uh, it's quite, quite refreshing to... Um, have something on you like that, and also you can, you can, you can, you can be so um, unique with even a phone now. Yeah, you just have to be creative. Um, it doesn't have to look super sharp. It doesn't. It just you have to have kind of an eye for light for the composition for a subject or whatever it is that you want to shoot. I've seen like people do amazing things. I think there's a guy, I forget his name, but he shoots only with his iPhone. And um, he's got amazing, amazing photos, like absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite photos are on my iPhone. And like a lot of people that are inquiring, you know, to order prints or something are photos that are on my iPhone. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a thing where you don't even, you know, a lot of the time I'd avoid using my iPhone just because I can't print it. Um, yeah. Two, it's something that it's just it doesn't feel right sometimes. Like it's been taken on a phone, um, like carelessly almost. But um, yeah, some of my some of my favorite photos are from a phone. How did you get the shot with the butterfly on the finger? That seems almost um, impossible. Yeah, that I mean that's a. <laughs> That image is is funny. Hey, I, I've I've looked at that photo more than I probably slept. <laughs> like, I, so many people are always um always, I guess, querying the fact that there's a butterfly, a live butterfly on a finger. But yeah, I was it was um, a friend and I went out to a, like a local waterfall, um, just for, or I guess in the countryside of where I am now, my parents' yeah. place. Um, and, uh, yeah, we went out there on a sunny day and we're swimming around. I think we're just mucking around taking photos um, in this beautiful crystal clear sort of little um, creek. And uh, this this butterfly, like, was just struggling on the surface of the water and my friend swam up to it and um, I was like, oh, just pick it up on your hand, like, and move it onto the rocks, like get it off the water so it, I guess, lives another life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it started raining like every, and I was like, oh, just go under a bit, go under a bit. And then I, I shot all this stuff and completely, you know, days went on and forgot about it. And then, um, yeah, years after I, I was, I, uh, there was a photo competition um, here in Australia. I'm not sure if you know Monster Children. No. Um, it's, a, it's a 
pretty highly respected editorial magazine here in Australia and they do a, a competition every year, every year. And so I entered it. Also, a lot of people at the age that I was were expecting me to, you know, if I do enter anything, it would be ocean-related or something yeah. to do with surfing. Um, so, yeah, I entered this this um, this lifestyle category with this image and the day that it entered, it had a three-week window of um, applicants and I think they get, you know, tens of thousands of photos and the, the day it, it got up to their database, they're like, oh, it's one, it's one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that photos really, like, connected me with some amazing photos. I mean, sorry, not photos, um, people. with people. Yeah. Like I, uh, I have like a, a backward sort of forward conversation with Spike Jones here and there. He reached out and um, he wanted to print for his house. Oh, I have like a, I have an original, you can't really see Spike Jones print of the far side. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Um, in the corner there. So we, he, he reached out and wanted to get my email from a friend of mine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been some really, I mean, interesting sort of little outlets that that photo's created for me. Um, but, yeah, it's funny. Every time I look at it, the more I'm like, ah, like it kind of just. <laughs> so that was literally right right boring. place, right time, just serendipity. Yeah, I mean, nothing planned. Nothing planned, nothing Photoshop, nothing, um, nothing, nothing strange about it other than just being at the right time. Damn, that's, that's amazing, man. I Because initially I thought it was, Photoshop. I thought you kind of took like yeah, two I images, mean, or like maybe you brought the butterfly with you and you placed it on the thing, you know, because it just it looks too good yeah. to be true. I know. I mean, it, it's pretty funny. Like a lot of people, I had a I had an actual like a tattoo artist that reached out to me and was like, "Oh, you've copied my piece," and I was like, <laughs> "What?" I was like, "What?" I was like, "How?" But it was. I mean, it was. It, being someone well known or not, still the same, you know, consideration. But like the guys was like trying to write me off for taking a photo that was not planned and also had nothing to do with what he did. Didn't look like anything, but he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna." I think legally, he tried. He wanted to do something. I was really? like, "Man, you, you're you're drawing something. That's your imagination. I captured something that happened in real time. Like <laughs> things quite different." But um. Yeah, it, it is. I know it's an image. I mean, even when I look at it, it's like it's it's pretty insane how it all happened. But it's definitely um a photo that has um caused a lot of attention um and a lot of um a lot of questioning behind, which is good. I mean, a lot of um you want that controversy around yeah. a photo is is great. You know, yeah, hundred percent controversy around any everything. It just as long as yeah, yeah. People are talking about you. That's what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, there's, um, you know, I know there's other photographers and I've had a couple on the podcast and they have their photos on, on, I don't know, on different products and they, you know, they found them, let's say sold in China or Brazil without their permission. Has that yeah. kind of happened to you? Yeah, actually it was funny. I, I had something happen not long ago where I had to take legal action, like subtle legal action on a um, alcohol company in America. Really? But it was, yeah, I'm not going to call it, call them out, but it was <laughs> something that I was pretty like kind of disappointed that it happened and also the way that they dealt with it. But um, it happens quite a bit. You'd be surprised. Um, 
Also, though, now, like, you do need a pretty substantial file to work. But also a lot of stuff's on phone and web now. So, like, you can just screenshot stuff. You can, yeah. you can like, people can get away with so many things. But, man, it's, you know, like, even my fan base and the amount of followers I have, let alone the people that probably look at my stuff that don't follow me, like, it can just go, it can bleed. Like, you don't know where the stuff's going. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, majority of the time people are looking out for you in regards to, like, you know, it's like a job of theirs, but when they do see stuff that looks a bit weird, I have had people send me stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that shouldn't be there or they shouldn't be using that. But, yeah, it's um, it's a way that, you know, this, this whole social media thing works. You can't control where stuff goes. Yeah, it's very... Which is great because it also, you know, that's how you, you know, people are, I guess, intrigued by your work because they want to find out where it came from. But, yeah, there's a lot of people that are willing to take advantage of your stuff and not let you know. Yeah, it's it's flattering in a way and, and theft in another way. <laughs> but it's, yeah. uh, I wonder if, you know, there was... Remember the time where you had like... Um, uh, what is it? Snap, Snapster or what was the... The, the one like, where you what? could... The way you could download all the pirate music, um, or like show. Oh, LimeWire. No, there was LimeWire. There was a bunch of them. There was the first one was like yeah. something like Snapster. Or, and anyway, I'm, I'm I'm old. Never mind. But uh, it was something like that. And now everything's on on streaming, right? Like I remember 10, 15 yeah. years ago, you would download all these torrents, and they would yeah, yeah. up your computer, and you'd have viruses. Yeah. But now yeah. everything is streamlined through streaming services mm-hmm. and you're very comfortable paying five bucks or 10 bucks or 15 bucks a month to get your music, your, you know, your, your movies and shows. I wonder, it would be very difficult, but I wonder if you could do something similar with, you know, visual content. Um, I know there's a few companies online that have tried to do something similar, but I just, I, I, I just don't know if that's possible to, to protect, well, like to protect photographers. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, it's definitely something that I'm sure people have tried developing, but I think like, you know, like people can screenshot, people can like, I mean, but also like if you're having to pay for stuff, like and create something where, you know, like a percentage goes to, I guess, the creator, yeah. it makes sense. But I don't know. It seems like the way, like, you know, just technology is so advanced that like, just having something so simple and, and direct like Instagram, I, it's so hard to think that things or people want to change and do something that's quite, you know. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there's just different. Even for podcasts, right, you have the free podcast, which is the majority of them. But then you have a few um, podcasts uh, that are you the whole website or the whole app you have to pay for, right? There's certain services. Yeah. So you pay $50 a, a month, let's say for the subscription, and then you can get all the podcasts that are on the available there. You can get them for that price. And then I, I think they're exclusive, so you can't get them someplace else. So it seems like all the stuff that used to be either free or pirated went the way of subscription services and streaming services. Mm. But photography, I guess, I guess photography is not a, it's not a, it's not entertainment as yeah. much, so it's it's a little more difficult to to regulate that. That would probably just give you a better insight of the quality of the photos. And if you start doing that, because it's like the music now, like now that we have all these these um streaming platforms that we pay for, I mean the quality is so much better than what we used to, you know, pirate music yeah. back in the day. And also, you've got to you know you've got to appreciate what the source of where this stuff's being made. So I think like yeah, 
maybe maybe you're onto something. Maybe <laughs> maybe that uh that movie idea of mine's not so good. Maybe that idea of yours right now is probably a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you never know. Throw it out there. Guys, it's free. If you want, you can pick it up, start start developing it, get a web developer, start working on it. Yeah, get time, guys. You got time. Well, how, do you, how do you pick when you shoot, like when you go out, let's say you're out in the ocean or, or you go out on a shoot, like a personal shoot, not necessarily like something for a brand. You know, you end up probably with hundreds of photos, right? How do you end up kind of selecting the one or two that, that you like from the shoot? Yeah, that's a thing that like, it's so funny, like I I work with digital still a lot commercially um, and I obviously grew up on digital, um, but now I'm shooting so much medium format, which is a form of um, shooting analog, um, and that's slowed me down so much because I'm usually, I mean, I still shoot very fast for shooting medium format yeah. to what you, a lot of people do because it's expensive. Um also, scanning photos takes a lot of time, so you don't want to be scanning stuff that um, is something that, you know, I mean, composition-wise, you want to be sure that you're, you're happy with what you're photographing. Um, but coming from shooting digital, when I started, like I, I'd go out and shoot so much of something or so little of something, but I'd have a folder of photos from each and every time I documented stuff, and I'd, I'd feel like I, I was very... Um, you know, very clear with what I picked on the day. But then four or five years later, even 10 years later, I go through a folder and I'm like, oh, my God, I missed this or <laughs> I cropped this and that out of this sort of section of an image and it, and it has a whole different feel and, and um, composition to to what was documented on that day. So, I mean, that's the thing that's so, so great about digital. It's so easy to access, you know, hard drive and sort of looking through film negatives and things like that. and um, and and kind of, um, yeah, just going through your archives and finding so much um, stuff that you have missed um, when you have been pretty particular with what you wanted to see when you did shoot that. So I still to this day go through so much stuff and find so much good stuff that I have kind of more so just skimmed past and ignored. Um, But, I mean, I've created exhibitions from that. Like I've done so many shows where I've gone through stuff and I've needed to find stuff to, you know, fill in spots or, or places for things. And yeah. it was like you, you always just like rummage through your stuff, and you find so much stuff that is so so brilliant. I mean, it's probably endless. You probably have literally tens of thousands of images. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You just have to. You have to be. So, it's your, li- your livelihood. Like it's your career. It's like so you have to. You have to just back that thing up. Like. So many times in case yeah. anything, you know, fucking breaks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even want to know what would happen if I lost everything. I've, I've had it happen with a, a small amount of photos, not like, you know, probably 10,000 or so I've lost mm-hmm. um, from a, a little pro, a little sort of um, mistake that I made <laughs> when I was younger. Um, and it is the worst feeling ever because you can't reenact. No. You can't reenact anything. I mean... No. It's, it's a moment crazy. lost. So, exactly. Yeah. Could you do? So, could yeah. you put it on a cloud, or is it? It's too big, right? It's too much. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you could, but I, I just feel so funny like putting stuff on there, and it's just so slow for me. Yeah. I, I think like I have these big, massive RAID hard drives that you can fit. I mean, 
in 20 terabytes of photos and that's half of what I have, but then I have like two, three of those, one in Japan, one here and somewhere else. So it's sort of, you just got to be, you know, very safe. Yeah. You got yeah. to appreciate, appreciate all the hard work and all the traveling you've done and all the, the moments that you've created because, yeah, I, I'd feel like I wouldn't even be a photographer if I had none of that anymore, if I lost that all. Do you enjoy working with with brands? I know you work with some uh, big brands like Corona, Dior, Billabong, uh, Monster yeah. Energy, and others. Do you do you like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I absolutely love it. I think the commercial world's very interesting. Advertising world's, you know, very um, egotistical, and there's also <laughs> a lot of um, there's a lot of um, constraints. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of room for error, which is so nice um, because I guess how I how I was ex- expressing the way I am earlier is like I'm quite spontaneous and working with a brief I, I do so well, but I also love working with open open lines and, and creating stuff that you know is a somewhat a part um, on a on a on a way of I guess a directional thing for someone, but. Having that initial trust is is it's funny like commercial work, like you can really sense trust or you really can't. And I yeah. think like that's a big thing for me when I'm working with such a big, you know, base of clientele or or a particular com- company. Um, finding the trust if I can't initially gain trust or feel like I can um, organically um, sense that, like I find it very um, hard to work with. But yeah, I love it because the mediums are so different, you know. Like yeah. I've been doing some amazing personal projects um, and then also then I've been doing commercial, I mean massive commercials straight after and the uh, the differences are so so nice because you, you, you adapt to working. Like it's like playing soccer, you know, like you all have to be aware that like the ball will come to you at some point and you've got to be ready. Yeah. So um, working with a team is something that I really like and working with a good team. So I think it's been special um, and also I've been lucky that like all the, the the companies that I have worked with, I still get to work with. So we're all very familiar with how we work um, and also there's a lot of new um, and up, I guess, rising um, clients that I've been sort of working with lately, um, which is good, but it's, you know, it's like that, 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 um, that, phase of like just getting over them trusting you at times and, and yeah. making sure that they're like you know it's like well you guys wanted me so let me do my thing you know so yeah how is that do they you know do they give you a strict guideline as to what they want or a look or, or yeah, you know, yeah. or or they're, or they're like we like your shit we hired you you know we do what do what you do and surprise us or you know it, it can be like that like a lot of the time there's some sort of photographical brief you know or a um particular things that i specifically have to follow to target i guess what they're advertising you know yeah um but also a lot of the time people contradict what they say and they do and they're like we want you to 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 just do you you know but can you create this and it's like well i can't create that because that was in, you know, that was in Morocco with, you know, 50-kilometre winds you can, and, and, like, a storm. And then it started, like, like all, this, all these sun rays were coming. You know, like, some people don't have the open-mindedness of 
Like some things just can't happen. Yeah. It's just the fear of, I guess, you know, being spontaneous and things working when they want to work. But most of the people, like, you know, pretty good with me letting me do my thing and also, um, yeah, just, I guess, initially trusting my um, my train of thought, my idea of how things can work. But also, you know, there are a lot of great people on set that can can direct you and things that, you know, I mean, that's the thing of a team, you know, people open your mind up to another aspect of, um, you know, what you're, you're there to do. So I, I do love it. I do love the challenge and I love the pressure. It's good. But also it, it funds so many great things that I can, I can do personally to document. Um, so, yeah, they're both very different but also very, um, very important to have, you know, in a photographical career. Would you go into video, or does does that not interest you? I've been much? directing. I've, I've been directing film. Okay. Um, it's something quite new that I've been doing, which is what I really love. Um, and also, I have I use a lot of my. I have a really good friend who's an incredible um, DOP. His name's Andrew Goff, um, who I've been using on some commercial work that I've been doing and also um, some personal projects. And he, I mean, when I've, I've worked with him for so long that it feels like I'm actually, you know, physically got the camera on me and, and looking because he, we both understand how we like things and how we like things shot. But also most of the, you know, a lot of the time too, he's seeing stuff that I'm not seeing, which is, is also just another perk of, you know, not being um, involved or holding the camera myself. but. Um, these these days now, like you can pretty much feel like you are shooting because you can have a digital monitor that's connected to his his screen, and I can be going left, right, pull out, pull in, you know, like and capturing what I would like to see. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like a lot of people have asked me that, and I've also been like, uh, you know, quite interested to to try it, but I think it'd just be another whole thing of. Um, feeling quite overwhelmed and understanding how a video camera works and 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 stopping shooting photos, which is I'm completely fine with. But I think directing is also something that is highly um, exciting and exhilarating to me at the moment. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Um, video, I uh, I you know I, I like. I'm just kind of amateur in photography. I just like shooting because I like shooting. But I tried just delving into video a little bit. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is a whole new undertaking. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, with, like, video, it's so complex. Is like there's sound, there's, like, there's movement. So, like, if the movement's, you know, on and off, like, it can be very tricky. Um, and, and it's more so, like, it's telling a story, like, in, in like I guess in more of a like a depthful way, you know, like because it has to have flow, not all the time, but it, it kind of needs to make sense sometimes. Like you know, majority of the time it needs to make sense because it's a moving picture. But with you know photography, you can just you know, I guess you can imagine you can create your own sort of scene because it's stagnant. But I think film it really it it, it um, evokes and um, I guess has an output of a way that's very different to shooting photos, which is, um, I mean, maybe, maybe I might try it in time, but I think like being able to direct is, I think something that I'm happy to do at the moment. 
Yeah, it's amazing too because if you think about the the people who usually get credit in a in a movie, for example, it's usually the the actors and and the director. But yeah. a lot of times you'll have uh, what was that movie called? I think it was 1921, where the whole uh, uh, movie is like one shot in theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. my God, like the guy, the, video, the videographer, the guy who was shooting was amazing, amazing. Yeah. But I have no idea who he is. Like that's a, that's a, a yeah. an anonymous person. Like those people never get kind of the, the the credit, or you know, you never put a face behind the name. Unfortunately, you just kind of it's only the actors and the director a lot of times. And I just feel like a lot of times there's people who do amazing, amazing work, like that guy, who might get yeah. need a little bit more shine. Of course, I mean, yeah, the notoriety with some people's talents is, you know, like. It's, it can be such a shame to see, you know, them not being, I guess, appreciated as much as they should be. But also I think, like, when they are working at that sort of level, they are being consistently used yeah. um, for their work. But, yeah, I mean, those things, I mean, that would not happen without someone having the, uh, the, uh, the I guess, experience of, um, I mean, that takes so much time and work, you know. And Incredible. Work, I mean, having, like, just even doing my own film, like being able to direct and also having a guy shooting video, like you just need to be such a good team because that's how you create things to look so good. Like you got to read each other's minds at times. Yeah. I mean, you're a little bit like that where you're, you don't, you're not really in front of the camera, right? I know a lot of photographers, they like to, I don't know if they like, but a lot of photographers, you'll see them a lot in front of the camera. They have their own pictures. But you, like, you don't really see you much. There's, like, one or two pictures of you. You're, like, 99% of the time you're behind the camera. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I, it's something that I've, like, I don't know, maybe tried to keep without realising just purely based on my work because, but, I mean, that's the thing. I've had, so, I've had a lot of ex- exhibitions um, internationally and I've been at the exhibition and people are like, oh, where's the artist? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I just get on with the crowd and no one knows, like, which is also, I like, I like having, I like, I like, I don't know, keeping me in my work somewhat, yeah. like. You're almost also, undercover. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's just, that's me. I just, not, I don't like having too much of the attention. It's, I mean, I, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's fun. I think it's smart, man. I think um, I was having a conversation with this the other day with um, with an in, with a startup guy, and um, he was and he was saying like that there is this phenomena where, especially now with social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, people can find you very easily. And yeah. if you're a little bit famous and you've got a few tens of thousands of or hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, you get a little bit of a fan base and some sycophant wants to find you, uh, they can do that very easily. So I think not yeah. having your face um, plastered everywhere on social media is um, and, you know, while still grabbing the, um, the, the, the numbers and uh, the likes and the followers. So you can promote yourself without your face. I think that's actually a huge benefit, actually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also just like, I don't know, it's just another degrading platform. Not that I'm like worried about, but I think like if people purely like your work because it's just 
you know, generally based on that, then that's, I mean, that's what I'm there to do, you know, like presenting my work in a way to let people just enjoy it. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be there and I guess, I guess feel like a presence over, you know, the people or people that can, I guess, acknowledge that that's me or I'm here, you know, like I, I like that. That's refreshing. Um, yeah. That. What, um, so before I let you go, I just have one final question. You mentioned earlier you had um, some kid or some guy, maybe a young kid um, that reached out and he was like, oh, how do I become successful? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's this weird, I think people don't want to work hard nowadays a lot of times and could, because maybe they see people becoming successful quote unquote overnight. It's really never overnight, but it's, they, they, yeah. they present it as such. And they're like, oh, you know, I can grow my own Instagram or I can have a YouTube channel. Or I can do these things. And a lot of times when they do it, 99% of the time, they realize that's not the case. It takes a long time to grow. You have to actually have sure. some sort of a, you have to bring something to the table. You have to, people have to connect with you and there's a whole host of things. But if yeah. you could give people maybe an idea or, or some tip or something as to how to grow, how to become better, not how to be successful, but just how to maybe what are the benefits of following your passion and doing something you're good at? Mm. Well, I think like, like it, it all comes down to like hard work and persistence. You have to be persistent and you, you also like, you can't be worried about what people think. I mean, that's sort of thing. I mean, that's what, you know, the world has created now. There's a lot of opinions you can directly opinionate um, mm-hmm. on the people's work or whatever that whatever I guess up to so I think it's it's a thing that like I think it's another personal experience it's like you you, you I can say what I'm going to do but like you know people can listen and it, it won't sync with them but like I think it was a thing where like you know if you're so interested you you'll you'll reach out to people you'll ask questions but also you'll also be so um curious to just go and experiment like life's an experiment you know like you Mm -hmm. there's no rules like nothing's right or wrong like no one can tell you did it you know this way or that way I think like um yeah I mean just believing in yourself and 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 just being very persistent persistency is like and consistency like is a big thing with 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 what I have taught myself and also like my father and my mother have taught me like you know, if you really want to do it, you just have to, you have to work so hard and nothing is impossible, you know, like, yeah. but also being, being open to the fact that like, if it doesn't work, it's fine. Like, and also, you know, if I, if I somehow became a potato farmer in 10 years, I wouldn't care. Like, (laughs) you know, like that's how like things have changed. You know, I never wanted this to, I never thought it could be a career, but it just happened. So yeah, I think like, being just open-minded and also relaxed on the fact that like, you know, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't, but like, you, you know, if you really love it that much, just don't give up. And um, at the end of the day, like people with, you know, like a, a very well stabilized career still go through that. Like 100%. I do that too, you know, like still to this day, I feel like, you know, a lot has changed, but a lot hasn't since I started. Like the, the thought process of like, you know, um, wondering how this happened or 
why I can't do this yet or, you know, it's, it's a way of developing as a human, not just the creative. So I think, um, yeah, you just curiosity is, is a big thing with, you know, just being an individual is, is my most important, like, trait is like, you know, not not a pressurising myself to be different and, you know, create this and that because I think that's the right thing to do to be recognised. But I think just, you know, there's so much inspiration, but just do your thing and do it, do it the way that you feel is right, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and don't don't try to be infamous or famous just for the sake of being famous. Have something that people will connect with, have something people will appreciate yeah yeah That's, i mean that that that'll draw a particular type of audience to no matter what your your uh, demographic is or your output of content like you're going to create i guess those types of people that are around you you know yeah. depending on your your um interaction with um what you're evoking so that's important too you know like a, having a lot of positivity and a lot of good people around you is like also another a big push um, with creating good stuff, you know. Yeah. You can't always do it by yourself. You need help, you know. Like you, that's why I mean, these people are reaching out to me, I guess, because I've had you know, you know, quite a bit of an experience, and um, and you know, like there's nothing wrong with you know feeling like you can't talk or ask questions. Like it's one thing that I didn't do as much as what I, you know, like I see people doing now is like you know and it's a lot easier to like reaching out and asking questions but you know you should never feel vulnerable to you know get a reply or not or you know even just um just yeah just be i guess curious to have a conversation about something that's simple even and also we're an evolving species what you like when you're 15 you're probably not gonna be into maybe when you're 30 or 40 we're always yeah that's that's how it is yeah I mean that's a that's a beauty of like the I mean the growth of life like you can't you can't put the pressure on yourself if you are good at something like sometimes it won't always last you know yeah 100% and I think a lot of people um can't accept the fact that that's the point of you know evolving yeah and yeah. uh yeah I mean I see it for myself I'm you know the the person I am today I probably wouldn't be friends with the person I was like 15 years ago, you know, and I'm, um, the same, and I, I'm, I'm the same human, but it's a different person. Yeah. I mean, your taste and your, um, your outlook on life changes, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Woody, Woody, you're awesome, man. Uh, thank you so thank much. You, Roy. No, it's been a pleasure catching up. It's been nice to, to talk to someone closer than a meter and a half and, and be from a different <laughs> country. Bike breaking rules. Yeah. Right. Um, where can, obviously is the only place people can find you on the internet, Instagram, is that, um, the go-to? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Instagram is the, I mean, is the most, I guess, instant thing, but, um, I mean, when I'm exhibiting work in galleries throughout the world is also a place where I may be, um, mm -hmm. if it, if I'm there, but also, yeah, you, you'll know about an exhibition if it's, if it's, I guess, it'll be exposed on my, my Instagram, on my website but yeah. I have a website as well, but I guess more personally I'm involved in my Instagram. Yeah. And that's, and that, that exhibition is actually in the real world people in physical, yeah. <laughs> in the physical world. 
it still exists. It's out there. It's gonna be happening soon. Yeah, man. I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to go one day. Hopefully, once COVID is done, yeah, we can, man. we can travel. Maybe show me around Japan. I mean, let's catch up in New York. Like, Sounds take me good, to man. your favorite Australian cafe, and I'll see how good it is. Ah, done, done. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate it. I had a blast. And uh, yeah, man, we'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in an Australian coffee shop in New York, hopefully sometime soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you for having me. It's been really nice. It's been a pleasure, man. Talk soon. All right. See you, brother. Have a good one. You too, man.